Hi, this is Adam Carolla. I want to thank you for supporting this podcast on the Corolla Digital Network. Everyone here at Corolla Digital is very proud of the shows that we put out every week and are excited about the future of our network. However, a patent troll is threatening that future by suing us. We need to fight back and beat the troll down. If we go down, all the other shows on the other networks you've grown to love are going to go down next. Visit fundanything.com forward slash patent troll to donate and find out other ways that you can help beat the patent trolls. Thank you and mahalo. This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, which, let's face it, you do, tell a friend. You can listen to us all sorts of places. A couple of them would be iTunes or AllisonRosen.com. This show is sponsored by NatureBox. Order great tasting, healthy snacks right to your door. Forget the vending machine and get in shape for summer with healthy, delicious treats like everything bagel sticks. Support this podcast and get 50% off your first order. Go to naturebox.com slash Allison. That's naturebox.com slash Allison. Hello, my little carrot cakes. It's me, Allison. Welcome to another exciting show. Before the show officially starts, we have time to talk for a little while. And I've invited the one and only Chris Loxamana from the Thursday show to sit here with me while I talk to you, and also he can talk if he wants. How's it going over there? It's going good. I heard you coughing a little bit. Oh, yeah. I've had a cough going, I think, like right when Roadheart started, and it just has not gone away. It might be, a, it might have been lack of sleep or something, but yeah, throughout the whole movie, um, I had this really bad cough, and it was always right when uh, the AD would call action. Every time they would say action, I would have to cough uncontrollably and I'd have to run out of the room you know as silently as possible and and as far away from the mics and out the building and then just I would just have a cough attack well fans of the Thursday show will know maybe I I probably don't even need to put it that way it's probably not like there's people that just listen to one or just the other I like to think everyone listens to all of them but anyway that's very close (laughs) I I bet there are people that only listen that avoid the Thursday shows right I, I I don't know I have a feeling that people who might avoid the money. You know what? Let's, let's let's not even put these ideas in their heads. Everyone people, listen to everything. Yeah, but it's the, what you're describing is similar to one of the definitions of fondaleering, which is when you're in a crowded place and you just like start choking on your own spit, and then you feel like you're going to die and you have to get up. Because this happened to him during Evita, or no, it happened to me, happened to him during Evita, and I forget where it happened to me. Yeah, nothing's worse than holding in that that coffin. That is fondaleering. That's the second definition. First, I think is. Um, what is the first one, Gary? Uh, I think the first one was leaning back in the shower. Yeah, not <laughs> not, not turning around in the shower. It was also known as doing the rock away. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I don't know, I just, I like all, how, how far apart those definitions are. Um, as do I. Yeah. Um, you know what else you like? Tell me. Food. That's. All that's food. Been, that's been known. That's and I true. bet you like Nature Box. I love Because I just Nature saw Box. you munching on some Nature Box items, and I was as well. And I feel like there's still, I feel like I can still taste the Nature Box. Nature Box, mm. uh, they send you delicious, healthy snacks, and they're so good. Uh, you don't, when, when those afternoon hunger pangs strike, don't reach for something unhealthy. Don't go to the vending machine. Uh, if you do, you're just gonna, you're gonna be mad at yourself. Instead, Get yourself into some Nature Box. Go to naturebox.com. They send you great tasting snacks right to your door. They're great for you. Uh, and it's 
They're all so good. It's hard for me to even choose my favorite. Um, but some of the things they have, barbecue kettle kernels, everything bagel sticks, South Pacific plantain chips, um, blueberry almond crunch. Do you have a favorite? Uh, I really like those uh, caramel-coated uh, – what are they? Like caramel-coated pretzels? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have some of those good. out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's salted caramel pretzels. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, zero trans fats, zero high fructose corn syrup, nothing artificial, uh, and free shipping anywhere in the U.S. So try NatureBox right now and get 50% off your first box by going to naturebox.com forward slash Allison. That's naturebox.com forward slash Allison. And just a reminder for anyone who happens to work with Adam Carolla, make sure to tell him not to steal your box of NatureBox treats and then take it to the other warehouse and then give it away because that's what happened to me. And I don't want to see it happen to you. What a jerk. Wait, he doesn't listen to this, does he? No. Okay. But he knows how I feel about it. Okay. I mean, yeah, I know that he didn't do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I know. I had uh, the they had dried pineapples last time too, and those are so good. Mm. And I remember eating them. I was like, all right, I'll have one more. And I pulled one out, and there were like six of them stuck together. But counts as one. That's right. Yeah. So by technicality. Oh. I think we have an iTunes comment of the week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments, and don't forget to click five stars. All right, this week's iTunes Comment of the Week comes from Zom High, and it's titled Thursday Shows. Since I first heard the interview of Shane Dawson, I've listened to and have grown to love the Thursday Shows. You guys give me something to look forward to on my journey to and from school. If I had to choose my favorite, it would be Chris, because he reminds me of my avid tutor. P.S. If you're wondering, I'm soon to be a sophomore in high school. Christy Muro. What's up? Oh, wait, sophomore in high school? Mm-hmm. Perfect. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that iTunes comment. So that's... This person has an avid tutor. Avid is sound editing, right? Is it avid tutor or an, an avid tutor? No, she's talking like avid, avid is video. Oh, avid is yeah. yeah well, it's, that's what it's, I mean. It's a company Except- that does both. Uh, they have a media composer, which is like editing video, and they also own Pro Tools, which is editing audio. It's just it's editing media. I'm just saying, already having a tutor in that, and about to be a sophomore in high school. Oh, that person's going to be a real whippersnapper. That so, person is a real whippersnapper. Right. Oh, yeah. She's a, she's ahead of the game already. I'm informed that Avid is apparently a college readiness thing in high school that apparently pre- post-dates us that none of us knew about. Still, uh, like still, Princeton Review or something. Something like that. Still yes. ahead of the game. I prefer my version of it. Me too. I'm I'm I don't know what that was. Yeah. Making, a, making a movie. Yeah. But, um, but sure, that's great. I like, I like that my listeners are headed off to college. And you could be a tutor in this thing that we don't know about. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I could be an avid tutor or an avid tutor. Or an avid tutor. Yeah. Either one. Three. There's three. Because you could be like super enthusiastic about tutoring. Yeah. You could be an avid, avid tutor in, and you could be super enthusiastic about editing or super enthusiastic about college preparedness. And I'd love to do that. <laughs> Great. If you would like your comment, if you would like us to, to I quit. decipher your comment like this, uh, just leave us a nice comment. Click five stars. It's our favorite number. That was a really nice comment, dude. Thank you. You're just saying that because you're the fave. I am. I'm you're sure. a lot of people's favorite. Do you know? Have you noticed that? I sure, surely you have. I don't know. Um, are they all from the same person? No. Oh. Uh, no, I don't, I don't notice that. You have mass appeal. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Thank you. I, 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 as I said, I don't know how to take a compliment, so I, I've learned to just say thank you 
and I really mean it. But well, I'm gonna take it away a tiny bit. Versus Go. like Gary, who I feel like doesn't have the same broad appeal, but the people who love him fucking love him. Wow, they're avid, they're ardent, they're they're obsessed. Yeah, Gary. Gary's like Gary's like Radiohead. Like the people who are into him are super into him. And what are you? Uh, Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I say that first? <laughs> Can we get these TED Talks going? <laughs> if you just give Chris a little bit of runway and push him, he crashes so spectacularly. It's awesome. Hey, thank you. That's Thank you? You're welcome. <laughs> All right. I admire it. Speaking of enthusiasm, you know who's an enthusiastic little guy? My favorite dog in the whole world, which happens to be my dog, Oliver. Uh, and he's especially enthusiastic about BarkBox... BarkBox is a, is a company that I love. They ship four to six full-size products, which could be – it's a, a host of things. It can be toys that your dogs will love, gadgets, uh, all-natural single-ingredient treats, just awesome fun stuff for your dog. Every month you get a BarkBox with this stuff. Um, and one of the things that I think is so cool is that BarkBox – so I've, I haven't – been to the BarkBox offices yet, although it is my dream to go. <laughs> but my understanding from talking to them is that the employees bring their dogs there. And I imagine there's probably other dogs there too. So basically, there's some humans, but there's like a lot of adorable dogs. And all the dogs are testing the various toys and treats and things. Oh. So by the time one of these treats or toys gets to Oliver, uh, it's been vetted already by a team of dogs. Tried and tested. Exactly. Uh, so, I, and also that's you the can, only animal testing I, I actually that's I right testing that is performed by animals, uh, and you can also feel good about BarkBox because they are devoted to supporting health and happiness in all dogs, uh, and they donate a lot of money to shelters around the country. So last year they donated 150,000 to shelters, rescues, and animal welfare organizations, and in 2014 their goal is to donate a million. Uh, and they do this through a variety of different campaigns and by giving 10% of all proceeds uh, back to their growing network of dog-loving partners. So you guys can get in on the excitement that is BarkBox by going to BarkBox.com slash best friend. Again, that's BarkBox.com slash best friend. And if you do, you will save 20% off of your first subscription. How come you don't have a dog, Chris? I grew up with a dog. I grew up with a wiener dog. You did? Yeah, and I still – my mom's actually in the Philippines. She's been there for a couple of weeks, and so I, I go uh, to her place on the weekends to, to hang out the dog. And then my brother – my brothers go during the weekdays, so we've been alternating just to keep the dog company because we didn't get, it like, a dog sitter or anything. So wait, how long is this dog alone? Uh, n- Not that long. Like, just the same amount of time uh, that she's usually – like, my mom will go to work and then she'll come back. Oh, okay. And he has the, he has the cat to, to hang out with. We have a cat, too. What are the dogs and cats' names? Uh, the dog is Coco, and the cat is Kitty. Real creative. Creative. But wait, wait, wait. It's short for Kitty Kitty Bang Bang. Oh, okay. That, that changes everything. Yeah. We just call him Kitty for short. Who named the cat? Uh, my grandma. I think that's sweet. I'm not. I know <laughs> it sounds like I'm making fun of it. I am not. Having been on the receiving end, remember the story I told of the guy who, in San Diego, who, when he found out Oliver's name... To Daniel, he's like, and you signed yeah. off on this? That's not okay. I always find it weird when someone gets a dog that's, you know, like a, over a year old and, ch- you know, changes the name or, oh, well, this is, I, I got it from this person, but we're going to call him Spanky now. Yeah. 
It's like, you can't change the name. Spanky is what your mind jumps to. Yeah. Why? That's a dog's name. And a little rascal. But what is what he's giving me weird looks. I know he's giving you Gary like Gary it. eye. He, his neck must hurt from constantly shaking his head at me. That's <laughs> absolutely true. Like he, he needs he needs to see somebody for that. Um but yeah, so I always find it weird when people rename rename their dogs. Or uh unless I guess if you found it on the street. Like my friend, he got his dog because his, him and his roommate were just sitting outside on, on their stoop. And this guy just drives up with a puppy, throws it out. Oh my god! That's, I mean, it doesn't throw that. that that's that's a. Uh, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Exaggerating. Yeah, he he just put puts it out there, and then but drops like, it. Yeah, but still drops yeah, just it dro- off. Drops it off, and he's like, "It's your dog now." And friends like, "No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not our dog." And then he drove away, and like, for some, and the dog like starts chasing him or something, and like they just had to run and grab it, and now. They have uh, so then they're like, all right, well. So, so now I, it is their dog. Yeah. Now. So I came, I came by the next day, and they're like, oh, this is Olive. Aww. Oh, excuse me, this is Oliver. Oh, Oliver. Yeah. Oliver. They named, they named it Oliver. Why? I didn't even think of that. Well, the reason that it's not Oliver anymore is because a couple days later we found out it's a girl. Oh. And then now it's Olive. A couple days later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How shaggy is this dog? It's really shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a puppy though. It was just a. It was a young dog. I don't know if it was a puppy, but I mean, it's a lot, definitely a lot bigger now than than when they got it. And I wonder if this guy who dropped the dog off, like how he decided on them. I don't. Yeah, I don't. They live like kind of in the cut too. When like, oh, no. like Crenshaw. What? No, that's a thing. I know, but I don't. I'm saying, oh no, because I don't know what it is. They don't live in the best neighborhood. But the cut. I've never heard that. Should I have heard that? No. No. When when speaking to me, don't just assume you have like don't assume that you've heard anything I say. Like is this any from words. a song? I'm, yeah, sure. It's in a lot of songs. Rap is it, is it a rap term? It is yes. Is it a rap? Is that a rap term? <laughs> well, it just see it just oftentimes when you guys say something that I'm not familiar with, it turns out that it's a rap term. It's not a rap term, but it is a term that is much more prominently used in the African American community. I would argue. I want to be down. For instance, there you the, go. for instance, the barbershop that was around the corner that is still now around the corner from my house that I tried to go to once, um, but they were all busy is called In the Cut, and mm-hmm. it was all black guys cutting hair. So there you go. Yeah, but but it makes sense in a haircutting uh, context. That's, that's a pun. In the Cut is a phrase that you would hear in a rap term, a rap song, no problem. Yeah, along with gooch to mean taint. <laughs> Do you know this one? Because I didn't know yeah, this one. I know, I know what that is. That, that's a that's a weird poll, though. Cooch. No, yeah. goo- oh, no, not cooch. Gooch. No, gooch. That's a, yeah, yeah, gooch. So there's a cooch and a gooch. I guess, well, cooch, I think. Yeah, the gooch, gooch just is, tucks in right behind the gooch. Gosh, I, I haven't said cooch since I was like, I, I don't think I've ever said that word. I think it was Kaylin who mentioned gooch. Gooch is G. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the area between your anus and your ball sack. Right. The yeah. taint. Yeah. That's the gooch. That's stretch. But uh, that's not rap. Skin. No, you don't say gooch in any... I hope they don't say gooch in any rap songs. Or I don't know what rappers would be talking about. Usually it's all about, you know, going to the clubs and making it rain and, you know... But try- it's also about the cut and in the cut and yeah, whatnot. In, look, look, you're in the cut. You go to the club. You meet a... You meet a you meet a uh, a ratchet, try to get her math, whatever. And Ideally, then... you meet Bay. Like you don't want to meet a ratchet; you just sometimes end up with one. Yeah, 
Bay, like Queen Bay? Or just Bay. But that's who we're talking about, right? No. Bay is not a specific person. God damn it. You need to listen to some rap. I need I know. Maybe Matt can break it down for me on his podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait. Listen what's to there Bay? Will be Eminem. What? What's Bay? A beautiful woman. Is that B E Y or B A Y? B A E. Oh. Hmm? I'm learning so much. But you know what I do know about? Tell me. <clears throat> Hair what's removal. That? Oh yeah. Do you? <laughs> Excellent, painless, affordable, totally portable. That rhymed. See, if you, I'm if rapping. You, look at if you. you don't want to go to In the Cut Barbershop in North Hollywood. No, just just get a no-no. A no-no mm. pro, actually. It's this little portable device. You just glide it along your skin. It removes the hair. It doesn't hurt. Uh, and that is why I love no-no pro, because... Not only does it not hurt, you don't even feel it. Um, it's 35% stronger than before. Apparently, more and more men are using the no-no. They're sort of stealing their no-no from wives and girlfriends and things. So no-no came out with a, a, a stronger version of it, although it's really – it's for men and women. Um, up to five treatment levels to customize your treatment, and there's now a – clear panel right in front of the little thing that actually removes the hair so you can watch it as it happens so uh maybe they take took a little bit of mystery out of how it works but it makes it more fascinating if you're someone who likes to see um how stuff works and the more you use the no-no the the less frequently you need to use it because uh yeah with with increased numbers of times that you do it it sort of catches the hair in the growth cycle and then it grows back slower uh no no nicks cuts ingrown hairs it works on all skin types all hair colors safe and effective for both men and women special offer for you guys my listeners you get the no-no pro device you get an exclusive facial kit you get a very snazzy travel case if you're online you get a free gift card and the entire purchase is backed by no-no's triple guarantee if you're not 100% satisfied they'll refund the purchase price refund the shipping and even pay for you to ship it back to them you don't risk a penny to try no-no today Call for details. Terms and conditions may apply. And so to take advantage of this special offer, you guys, just go to nonobestfriend.com or call 800-336-1665. Again, that's nonobestfriend.com or call 800-336-1665. Okay. Here is the episode with the one and only Alicia Witt. And uh, beforehand, Chris said to me, did you talk about – and then he said a name that I'm not going to say because it's a spoiler – and then I said, yes, I did. And then he asked a question and I said, oh, yeah, no, but even more than that. So you listen, listen to now figure that, out what we're talking about. That's a tease. Is that a good tease or is that too much no, of a tease? No, that was awful. Should I just I'm tell them what we're talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah. Ben Folds. Yeah, I asked about Ben Folds. Yeah, because that's her boyfriend. Yeah, and I well, love Well, you ben just Folds. thought they were friends, but no. Yeah, good. Well, more than that. Because I follow Ben Folds on Twitter and he always just tweets stuff about her. Oh, and like or retweets her and things like that. So I thought, oh, maybe they're on tour a lot. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah. And they live. They must when they get together. It's just so musical. Yeah. Um, as I said, they they probably the best version of Heart and Souls. Yes. Uh, anyway, she is great, and uh, you can find out more. And she actually has a lot of dogs. We talked about dogs a bit on the show, and you can uh, find out a lot more about her, and you will fall in love with her too in just a second. Because uh, here comes the episode. I love you guys. And thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for having me. For sitting in. Um, All right. Here's the episode. Here we go. Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison. 
Hey everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode. I am sitting here with the very stylish Alicia Witt, hey. actress and musician and person who's carrying a very cute purse. Thank you so much. I found this purse in a vintage store in St. Louis about five years ago when I was working down there, and it's my favorite little thing. It's a, an orange patent leather purse that's just the right size for day, night, and it's very bright orange, as you pointed out. It is, but it, it catches your eye, and it says that you are someone who's fashionable. And I remember the last <laughs> time I saw you, I complimented you on your dress as Thank well. Thank you. Um, so what I was going to say before I cut myself off to comment on the cute purse, which caught my eye, was that people – I was going to say people probably know you from – and then I realized – well, I want, what is the main thing people know you from? For me, I know you foremost as the daughter on Sybil because oh. growing up, my parents always watched that. Um, and so I watched it as well. So, But I know that you've been in like a zillion other things. What do people normally recognize you from, do you think? There is no normal for me. It's The question I get asked all the time is, um, what have I seen you in? How do you feel I, about that? Don't you feel like they should do the work? I... I think that it's a very honest thing that people say. They, I mean, it gets it gets funny because then I don't know how to respond to that. And <laughs> my my snide response that I always want to say if they thought it would be funny would be, I don't know. I'm not in your life. I'm not sure what movies you like to watch on television. <laughs> right. But of course, I just I, what I used to do was guess what they had seen me in, and sometimes I was right and sometimes I was wrong, and then. And now what I usually say is, I'm not sure I've been doing it my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if they say, tell me the last two things, I'll, I'll tell them the last two things. But it's usually not those two things because things rerun on TV and right. cable. And I, there really isn't any one thing. So something that fascinates me about you is that you – started everything very young. Like you were reading college textbooks at age two. Is that right? Well, I I don't know about that. <laughs> I know that I was reading at a young age. That's true. And your mom's um, a reading – was it, or is a reading teacher, right? She was, yes. Yeah. She stopped teaching professionally once she had kids. So mm-hmm. my brother and I were taught at home. Um. And yes, she was a reading specialist. My dad was a science teacher in junior high school. And between the two of them, um, that was how I got my education. Um, But yeah, I I definitely liked to get a head start on stuff, I guess. (laughs) You were reading really young. You were performing Shakespeare very young. And you graduated high school at 14, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I got my high school diploma at 15, at 14, um, which is a distinction just because I didn't actually go to high school. I was mm-hmm. homeschooled all the way through grade 12. So when I got my diploma, that was the end of high school for me. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you were homeschooled. Yeah. So did yeah. you not have school on the, all the sets you were on? The school – the only thing that I did when I was a child child was Dune. That was when I was seven. It was a real coincidence that I ended up part of that. And that was a David Lynch film. Mm-hmm. It was a huge production. And that really showed me that it was something people could do for a living and that it was something I wanted to do. But we lived in Worcester, Massachusetts. So 
I didn't know any actors. I didn't know anyone in the business. And I just started begging my parents to let me move to L.A. But before Dune or after? No, after. I had no – it wasn't on my radar as something that I would ever do. Right. And remind me how you were discovered by Lynch. I had been on the variety show That's Incredible in 1980. And how did that come about? That came about because there was a piece in Good Housekeeping magazine when I was three. Mm -hmm. And that was about my reading. And it showed some pictures my mom had sent to the editor of me reading the magazine. And anyway, that was printed. And then That's Incredible saw that and had me on and I did some Shakespeare. And then a few years after that, it ran again on network TV and the casting director for Dune was basically having a hard time finding a little girl who could say big words because it was a very specific grown-up kind of a part. And she brought me into New York to audition and then she had me audition for David Lynch and I got it. Did you before that? when you were all of six, have aspirations to be an actress or anything like no. that? No. So for you, that's incredible. It's funny to be asking, like, what was, what was your mindset at that age? But for you, that's incredible <laughs> was just, like, a thing you had done, and you just went back to your normal childhood life after that. It was, yeah, I was five. I just turned five, and I, I remember coming out to L.A. and re- taping this thing and thinking it was a lot of fun to perform for people because they had a studio audience, and I got to do the, these two pages or so of the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. And it was a lot of fun, but I didn't think at that age that it meant I would act or that that would be the next logical step. Right. I don't I don't know if I ever would have found this life if the casting director hadn't seen that episode. And, and I'm so glad that she did. So then you did Dune and then you got the bug. Do you remember what you loved about it? Everything. I think, honestly, part of it was that I'm sure part of it had to do with the fact that being homeschooled, I didn't have a big circle of friends. And the the community on a set is really different than any other workplace. You You go and you instantly have a circle of people to hang out with. You gravitate towards certain people, and those are the ones you hang out with during the course of the film. And I, even at that age, there weren't that many kids on the set, but just the fact that there were so many people to talk to and hang out with. And you're important to everyone there. Well, that's true. I mean, not I that mean, you weren't every... important in your homeschooling environment as well, obviously, but... Yeah, it's just... Everyone on a set has their job. And so whether you're the actor or the director or one of the writers or you're working on the electric things or the lighting, everyone has a position that's absolutely crucial to making this go forward. And you get to hang out when those departments aren't working and then everyone springs into action Mm -hmm. when it's their turn and you all meet up for lunch and you get to sit next to people from departments you might not have talked to before. And it's just an incredibly social atmosphere. Um, So that's great. And then the other thing I remember loving the most about it was the fact that I got to play characters. I got to play a character and spend time with other people who are playing characters and create this whole alternate reality. And this is what those people did for a living. As a kid, that's what you do anyway. 
Are are you a social person? Yeah, I think so. Do you think you're an extrovert? I think so. I think if you want to perform in front of people, there's some element of wanting to share things that are personal. And when you're playing characters, you get to do that under the guise of a character. So it might be something that's very, very deep to you. Like if you're doing a a super emotional scene, even if your actual thought process is all about what that character is going through, you're not doing some replacement thing where you're thinking about something awful happening to someone you, you know in real life or anything like that. You still, you're still expressing something that's inside of you and it's very personal. Do you tend to not do the, I think it was the second, the latter, what you said, like, do you not go to some dark place from your own life? Do you try to stay within the the character's world? I try to. Yeah. That's, that's not what I did all the time in the beginning when I was a teenager and, and that kind of thing, but that's much less connected. And I think the chances of it not working are greater. <laughs> I know there were a few times when I was like 18 or 19 and I, I would be on a set and I thought I had to do all this psyching myself out and really be, you know, crying three hours before a scene <laughs> where I had to cry. And then, of course, you show up to do the scene and you can't cry because you've been crying for three hours. <laughs> and everyone's asking you what's wrong and you're acting like there's some terrible drama happening in your life. But you don't need to do all of that. It's actually easier on yourself, but also, more importantly, it's it makes for better work if you're just present in the moment and just go for it. Mm-hmm. And it's, did, you, did you realize that on your own? Yes. Um. So I have two two questions that are totally unrelated. Um, okay, I'll, I'll I'll do this one. So, why were you homeschooled? It's interesting if when your parents were teachers, well, maybe that's why. <laughs> I I think it was partly the fact that they were teachers, and there were elements of the public school system where we lived that they weren't crazy about. And I think partly because I had started early and at, at reading and all of that stuff, and they felt I would have had to skip grades and they weren't sure that was something they wanted me to. I don't know if they wanted me to be in a situation where I was, you know, two years ahead of people or or that kind of thing and and just being singled out like that. And I think they they thought also that it might um, hold me back a little bit. But I don't know. I they they had they had different ways of doing things. <laughs> yeah, do you how do you feel about all that? Like do you do you wish that you had gone to a public school? I don't wish that anything had been different because everything that's happened has brought me exactly to right here. So, I think I would have had more friends as a child if I'd gone to public school without a doubt, but I also I don't know if I would have been able to get my diploma at 14 and start working as an adult. I don't know if I would have wanted to go to L.A. as passionately if I had this whole circle of friends. So in a way, the the different 
environment that I grew up in had a lot to do with me wanting to go to L.A. and, and be surrounded by people and and have that big social circle that you have on a set. Yeah, I mean, so much of school, especially early, is just learning how to be socialized. Um, did you at any point have trouble, do you think, like fitting into social situations? I mean, it sounds like you loved being around people, but do you think that you had trouble adjusting? Was there anything that you had trouble adjusting to because you hadn't had that typical growing up in a, you know, around kids in school experience? It took me a while when I came to LA to find anyone that was remotely in my age group that I became friends with. Everybody that became part of my inner circle when I was like 16 to 20 or so, they were all much, much older. So my friends were all like in their late 20s, early 30s. And I was really lucky. I met some amazing people who kind of took me under their wing and they were great friends and they didn't talk down to me, but they also were a little protective. So, and some of them are still my friends today. Did you tend or do you tend to go for older guys? I did. Absolutely. I mean, when I was 16, 17, 18, I didn't even consider dating anyone my own age. And and then the relationships I had when I was first having relationships were all with guys that were at least 10 years older. Mm-hmm. I, I always did that too. I was yeah. always drawn to older guys. And then at a certain point, I, as I got older, all of a sudden I started being attracted to younger guys. Me too. Really? Isn't that yeah. so weird? <laughs> For you, what do you think that is? For me, I think it was, oh, there's something in me that like – I just don't want to date a peer. I think maybe I'm uncom- maybe I'm afraid that like someone my own age could size me up accurately. So I don't mm. know, or maybe I'm I want something that seems like quote unquote special. Or I don't know. I don't know what it was that my weird brief Mrs. Robinson phase. I don't know either. <laughs> I did the same exact thing, <laughs> and I'm glad that I did. It's fun, right? How old were you when you started liking younger guys? And what was the biggest age difference for you? Um, I dated someone who was 14 years younger. <laughs> How old were you? Um, I think I was, I think I was 36. Wow. <laughs> I say wow. It was a but very brief yeah. moment of dating. I, I mean, it was like a few months, but. Okay. I had an almost, the, an almost the same thing. I was 35 and he was, I it's like I think you're 23 or 22, so yeah. it's like almost the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, I was weird. For me, I was like, <laughs> I was afraid I was going to just, you know, accidentally break his heart because I think that I was thinking that he was. I was relating. I knew how young he was, and I remembered how I was when I was that young, and I liked older people, and you know, I feel like looking back, I was always sort of in danger of having my heart crushed in those relationships. So I was trying to be so careful of him, not realizing that, you know, a 22-year-old guy is not that vulnerable. That's right. He's still a guy. Mm-hmm. How was it for you? Um, I was definitely very aware of that. And then I think, I think girls get mature at a much earlier stage. Mm-hmm. Like, I know... Certainly when I was in a relationship 
for three years when I was 20 and I, and the guy was 10 years older, I know that there were ways in which I was very immature and that I had a lot to learn. But I also know the ways in which the younger guys I've dated have been immature was not a way that I was at that age, if that makes sense. I mean, just sort of, I, I think younger guys, if I were to make a generality, tend to be a little bit more in danger of their ego being bruised. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a tricky thing with men and women, period. But then you add an age difference to it. And if you're a woman that's got a career and a house and money and, you know, making a living, I mean, not like crazy, <laughs> but and then you have a guy who's sort of just starting out and trying to find his way. Um, regardless of age, that can be something that um, you end up wounding somebody by simply telling them how great your day was. And um, yeah, I found that repeatedly, just that it was difficult to share my triumphs because I was walking on eggshells. I didn't want to make the guy feel inadequate. And that's honestly, I've experienced that with guys my own age as well. It's just, I think equality is super important in a relationship. You have to have someone who's Regardless of where they are in their life, they have to be your equal. And I think that is harder for guys than it is for girls. To feel that they've found to, – to be with someone where they feel like there's an inequality? Um, yeah. What I mean to say is that if a, if a girl is – if you're dating a, an older guy and you're a girl and you're still trying to figure out where you stand and all – we're all just – I think we're all striving to get ahead. It doesn't matter where we are in our career. There's stuff, hopefully, that we want to achieve that we haven't yet. And we're hopefully never going to get to a place, however old we get, where we're just going to be sitting there and saying, I'm satisfied. I've done it all. I'm I'm not working towards anything. But if you're a girl that's that's at a place in her career where she's not quite um, – not quite sure what she's doing or maybe financially a little bit less stable and you're with a guy who's got those things at at that point in his life I think that balance can work a little bit better than if it's the other way around because guys want to be the provider anyway right if the girl's making more money and just doing these things it can make the guy feel like well yeah why are you with me and and that's Right. The last thing you want somebody to feel. I think ultimately that 22 or 23-year-old guy is going to turn around and find a girl his own age or younger who's like, oh, my God, you have your own apartment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so old and mature. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And the fact that he knows how you originally saw him. Actually, I'm just talking out of my ass now because that actually never happened to me in this relationship. But I saw it. I saw the way it could go in that direction. Yeah. Ultimately, you know. Yeah. So – um, well, so you're you're in a relationship now, yes? Yes. With yeah. Ben Folds? Yes, that's true. That's very exciting. And nice. did you guys meet when you – I know that you opened for him. Is that when you guys met or – No. Um, we met in Nashville at a deli called Nashville. I know that's it sounds so like – It sounds like the beginning of a country song. 
Um, um, no, I was I was there two years ago. I had just released my album live at Rockwood, and I booked myself a tour to go around the U.S. and and open the album. And I had booked a show in Nashville at the Bluebird. And my friend who I was playing the show with had introduced me to another friend who was also going to be on the bill. It was a, a circle with the three of us taking turns. And so this guy, James, um, we met for a writing session that morning and he took me for lunch. And the first two places he took me to, one had run out of sandwiches and the other one had nothing but meat on the menu. And Are you you're vegetarian? I'm vegan, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, most places have an option, but this place just didn't. I don't even remember what the place was. But he was like, let's just go to Nashville. So we ended up there. And Ben, who um, we had a ton of mutual friends, but we had never actually met. So we started talking and that's how we first met. And then did you guys start going out right away? Not right away, but we became really good friends first. Um, so how long have you guys been together at this point? Well, it's been almost two years. Not quite two years. Like a year and three quarters. <laughs> I imagine this is like the most creative musical relationship ever. Do you guys just hang out and tickle ivories and things? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do that. <laughs> is this relationship different in ways than ones you've been in before it's very i mean it's it, it can't even be compared it's it's really great to be with somebody who is that i mean he's just wonderful i don't know what else to say um yeah it's like it's like a, an entirely different category it, it doesn't belong in the same category with all that came before. Mm -hmm. This is a different thing. Because one thing that I think everyone wants, but you have to really wait for it sometimes, or you have to be willing to believe it exists, um, is to be great friends, to be best friends with your partner. And I know I've never had that before. Um, it's, I think it's unusual and I know a few people who have that in their relationships and it's, it makes all the difference. And I know for a fact that, I mean, if I wasn't in a relationship with this person, he would be my best friend anyway. So, um, it's, it's a very different thing. So your music has your music and your acting have sort of dovetailed a number of times. Like your music has been used in in projects that you've acted in and stuff, which mm -hmm. which is super cool. Because um, for a lot of people, I think that it's kind of it's very separate. Um, right now is is one sort of feeding you more emotionally. Right now, they feel really equal and. What happened for me is when I started recognizing how much I needed to be doing my own music as part of my life, um, I was starting to feel a little burned out on acting. I, was, I knew something was missing. I wasn't feeling satisfied. Um, Did it have to do with the roles you were getting or do you think it 
because I mean, from where I'm sitting, it's like you you've been doing this for so long. I could see at a certain point that you were like, I I, I wonder like at a certain point where you're thinking, is this this is all I've ever known? Is it really what I want to do? It's it's never something that I thought I didn't want to do anymore, and I don't think it had to do with the roles because one thing I've tried to keep up with since I started is to not play the same role over and over again. Um, I've been pretty vehement about that. So it was more that just something was missing. And I started writing seriously about seven years ago. And I realized that I had I had been pushing that away for so long. I had written – I've been writing off and on since I was really little. But I would write a song and it wouldn't be quite as good as I wanted it to be. Or I'd write one really good one that I liked and then the next one would be mediocre and I'd just give up. And it took me that long to just get to a point where I didn't care. I had to write. And then songs just started coming at light speed. And and then I found as that was happening, I started enjoying acting more because it wasn't the only thing. There is something that all actors can relate to, which is just the waiting around. It's so powerless unless you're writing your own material and directing and producing stuff. And um, just acting is, is really kind of um, – it can be soul-sucking, the waiting – the work itself is wonderful, but all that time that you just spend wondering what your next role is going to be and wondering when that phone is going to ring, that's not, that's not a way to spend your time. Do you begin to despair when you're waiting for the phone to ring? There have been times that I have wondered. I mean, definitely there's everyone who's who's an actor knows what it's like to finish a job and literally the next day you think, am I ever going to work again? It happens every single job, no matter who you are. What do you, Why do you think that is? Well, because it's so out of your control. I mean, you know you can make something and get it made somehow. You could put it up and shoot it on a, a small video camera and, and make it happen. You can shoot it on your iPhone. <laughs> um, that's the great thing about the way that our entertainment is brought to us these days. You can actually make something, and what you can't control is whether someone sees it. But um, in terms of getting work that you're going to be paid for, it's completely out of your hands, and it has nothing to do with how good you are or how pretty you are or any of that stuff. And it, it takes a long time to build that thick skin where you understand that. And you just, you, you start to see how everything falls into place. And if you'd gotten one job, you would have never done that amazing play or, or something, or, or you would have been unavailable for a much better job that came up. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that happened to me Right before Justified, actually, the week before Justified came along, I had auditioned for a pilot, and I really wanted it. And there's very few pilots that I really want. Um, and this one involved music, so I was super excited. And I 
I didn't quite get it. And I was bummed. I was really bummed. And that one I had worked really hard for, auditioning and all of that. It sounds like you came really close to getting it. I did. Yeah. It was between me and the other person. So those things. And then you think, well, it was meant for the other person because now she's going to have this amazing journey and this is going to be something that changes her life. So, But I was still bummed. And then I got one job um, and then – and that was a, a short job. And then the very next week the phone rang and I had an offer to do Justified. I never auditioned for it. I'd never seen the show before. I never met anyone associated with the show. But some unknown thing I had done that's out in the universe got me that part. Probably that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never stop reaping the benefits of that. Yeah. Um, you just said that it was meant for her and now she'll have an incredible journey because of it. The, the person who did get the job, A, has that – do you know has that happened? Like did it air and is she having an incredible journey? It hasn't aired yet. And B, that is such – a, a generous, enlightened way of looking at what some people would look at in a more competitive way. Have you always been that way or did you have to sort of arrive at that? I think I think that I've arrived at it. Um, although I've always really detested the the idea that people will say things like, oh, so-and-so beat her out for this or she beat her out for the it's it doesn't really work like that. I don't think I don't think it's it's often a matter of if that individual had not been there then you would have gotten it. It's it's usually if it comes down to two people for something or three or four, they're usually so different from each other and it's not it's rarely a situation behind the scenes where they are agonizing over these two people. <laughs> it's usually the person walks in and they're like, that's the person. And they just, who knows why it, it's happened to me and it's happened not in my favor. And you can't really, you can't really think of a, a specific person as being your competition. And really there are enough roles for everybody. So, if you're doing good work, you're going to get work, I think. It's pretty fair to say. Um, do you know Jenny Lewis? I don't know her. I know who she is, though. Yeah, I'm I'm such a Rilo Kiley and Jenny Lewis yeah, fan. Yeah. And I, I this just popped in my head. Um, I interviewed her. It was for a magazine. It was many years ago. But, you know, she was a an actress for many years. Yeah. And a, a child actress. And I remember she told me that she ended up – not wanting to act anymore because she was just too nervous. She could, the rejection and all of that was just too much for her. Um, so I guess she's someone who, I was gonna say, I guess she's someone who didn't build up that thick skin. And yet I can completely relate to, to that feeling. Um, but her music also took off around the same time. Cause I remember she was on that show. Was it called Homeland Homefront? Um, wasn't she? Not she wasn't on Homeland, not not the one that's on now right. on Showtime. But remember the one it was on a network and it was set in the forties, right? I this sounds like an amazing show that I'm sad I missed. But Gary's gonna look it up. 
Jenny Lewis. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I can visualize her. She had – I mean, I know what she looks like in Rilo Kylie, but I think that she was in this show. I might be totally wrong, but we will, no, you we might, will find you might, out. <laughs> but you might be totally right as well. But um, I remember also she had been in a movie – I know she was in a movie with Angelina Jolie as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was called Rounders or – that's not. It wasn't rounders. It was something else. I mean, I know um, she was in True Beverly Hills. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh yeah, you should see it if you haven't seen it. It's um, not a bad one. But her band, I mean, it, it blew up. Yeah, and it's a great band. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine maybe that was just so fulfilling. And if if the acting had gotten to a point where it wasn't as fulfilling for her, right? But and then, in with music. Even though you're being looked at, you aren't being, I imagine, you aren't being scrutinized in the same way. It's interesting. In some ways, it's more so. How so? Well, because it's you personally. I don't think you're scrutinized the same way like people look at your close-up and, you know, make snide remarks if the lighting isn't quite perfect and they say you've got something going on in your face or... I don't know, whatever, whatever they think. People have so many opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, and a lot of it is based on what you look like, and that is frustrating. But the good thing about um, about making music from a creative standpoint is that it is, it's purely you. When you're playing characters, people also make comments based on – how it was directed or what lines you're saying and they make assumptions about what sort of person you must be because mm-hmm. they're seeing these words come out of you and it, that's weird as well. But by the same token, if you're expressing something and it's very close to you, you have this secure shield around you because it's not really you. It's a character. So at least the way I look at it is that it's not really scary anymore. I never get nervous or when you go into an audition are you like is that piece of cake for you pretty much I was thinking more on the set itself or on the stage it's I'm very very comfortable playing characters Mm -hmm. Um, auditions I still sometimes get really butterfly because I it's a it's an odd thing to do you're trying to assemble a character when you you've only had limited time to get to know what you might do with her and my favorite auditions have been the ones where they they see what you've done and then they work with you and you get to play that's really fun but going in there and trying to show them whatever thing they need to see and you don't know what it is you have no idea what it is you're just guessing that's frustrating Mm. And how much do you think – how much is it that they are trying to look at the way that you put together the character and what you look like and how much is it like some ineffable other thing that ha- maybe has to do with like whether they would want to work with you or like what kind of vibe as a human being you put out? Um, well, those are fun. I mean if you're, if you're just meeting somebody for coffee and getting to know them, that's really fun and then – and some of, some of them are like that, or you'll get an offer pending a meeting, which means they just want to make sure you're cool and you're going to come to play ball with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but going in and 
and auditioning is a it's a necessary evil for some parts and I try to have a really good time with it um that's all you can do just have an intention go make sure that when you leave the room you feel like you did what you set out to do and the rest is just up to the universe but yeah, I still get a little nervous sometimes mm. at those. But what I meant was on the set, I feel so safe. It doesn't matter what emotional thing I'm bringing to the surface. But my music is so personal. And that's not a character. It's just me. And these are songs that mostly I wrote. And um, whether they're about something that actually happened to me or something that happened to a friend or something I imagined, they're – they're my words and my my notes. And when I play a show, that's all me. It's up to me to make sure it's a good one and that I don't make those people think, what is she doing out there? <laughs> <laughs> and um, And these are people who have usually bought tickets. So that's a big responsibility. And I think it's it's changed a lot for me in the last few years. I've gotten much more comfortable with that. I know that I know what I'm doing and and then again that's up to them whether they enjoy it. But um and if people want to see your music and hear your music, where should they go? They should go to alishawittmusic.com. And um there's a bunch of stuff that I've released. There's a new album that Ben Folds produced and it's I I have never been I, 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 this is by far the thing that I'm proudest of, and it's not out yet, but um, that's coming up. But there's lots of stuff on the website, alishawitmusic.com. And upcoming show dates and stuff yes. when, when those happen. All of that. Excellent. All right. Let's do Just Me or Everyone, which is – do you know about the segment? I don't. Okay. This is where people write in and tell us things they do or think, and they wonder, is it just me or everyone? And then we tell them uh, – <laughs> I just saw the first one and it made me quite good. We tell them whether we also do this or not. Okay. Okay. The first one is a little different than ones we often get. Ken Gunther says, just me or everyone. Hang on one second. What, what's going on, Gary? Is this going to be the first episode we don't do the song? Oh, no, it's not. Okay, sorry. What's wrong with me? I was trying me? to remind you. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes I ponder All right. Ken Gunther says, while vigorously brushing my teeth, I never imagined the toothbrush to be a penis. Hashtag liar. Hashtag late for work again. No, I, that's a thought that has never occurred to me. That has never, ever occurred to me either. Ken, that's just you. Yeah. All right. Amy Brzezinski says, Amy Presinski, just me or everyone, I text in the shower. Just me or everyone. No, I don't do that because the phone would get wet. I don't do it I don't know how she does that. Although I've heard – I don't know where you are with taking baths. I have tried to be – I know so many people who like they all – they after a long day or when they're in a hotel or when they have time off or like they love a bath. So every time I get in the bathtub, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can really get used to this. And like a minute passes. I'm okay. Now I'm bored and I want to get out. (laughs) And Because I like to be on my phone all the time anyway. But someone – wrote in and said that if you put your phone in a Ziploc bag, you can still um, 
like use it and it stays dry. Oh. I have never I haven't tried it though. My mom keeps her phone in the Ziploc bag, but then she takes it out every time she wants to use it. Oh, so that's just her case? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> um yeah, so I don't text in the shower. I don't know how people do that. But recently I've been hearing of people who drink coffee in the shower. And I it was um Jamie Lee who's been a guest on my show. She's a comedian and she uh writes on Pete Holmes show and I said, "I want to do that. How do you do it?" And then she said she just sets it on like a little the counter outside the shower and just when she wants a sip she just re- you know leans out of it and that's I have so done that. You I have? have done it. I I haven't done it in a very long time, but I remember doing that a few times. I've that, done it too and I use my uh I just use my commuter mug because it's got a top on it that like water can't get into. Do you bring it into the shower? I did that once. were you just in a rush or you just really wanted coffee or you wanted to spice your shower up both and i had at the time like a shelf that was like pretty high up that water didn't get on nice so i just figured why not yeah i don't really have the way my shower is set up the counter everything that you could set anything on is far away mine too now but i was lucky at that last place anthony Campadonico, Campadonico says, when on a bus or train, I hope and pray that nobody sits next to me, even if there is one seat left next to me. Oh, yeah. I think that's common. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But an airplane, especially. You feel like you've hit the jackpot when that yes. happens and you're the only one that doesn't have a seatmate. And it's I, not antisocial. It's just, I mean, you get kind of sweaty and gross when you're on a plane. You don't necessarily want to be sitting next to somebody you don't know. And there's that sense of relief when you see some – so let's say you you do look out and there is an empty seat next to you and, they're, but, and they're about to close the cabin doors but they haven't yet. And then mm-hmm. like a couple people rush on. You're like, ah, oh, damn it. Yes, but then I they know. walk by and they walk past you. I'm like, oh, phew. It does, <laughs> it does make me feel antisocial. I'm happy to hear you say it's, it's nothing about being antisocial because <laughs> it makes me feel like a bad person. Well, because um, then you're stuck next to the person. Yes. You don't know. It could be a lovely person. I actually have made several friends on planes. You have? Yes, I have. Um, they're still my friends, um, which wow. is a lovely surprise. Um, but Did it turn out that they were in the industry as well? One of them is a makeup artist, and he and I had just – just like literally in the last week ended a relationship and they were both kind of disturbing relationships. So we ended up having a really great talk about that. And, um, and I, I guess we knew a few people in common, but not that many. It was more, we bonded over that and we we're like, what, this is a lovely human being. Wait, what's your, dis- um, what was your disturbing relationship? Oh, it's not worth going into. It wasn't, it wasn't any like specific thing. It was just it was basically a toxic relationship. I don't know if you've ever had oh, one of those. But... I've never not had them except currently I'm in a good one. But... Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, yeah. But no, I mean I remember getting out of one relationship and just feeling like what the hell was that? And yes. I, I felt like he was gaslighting me. Like I felt like yeah. reality was – I just remember feeling like my brain is being melted and I feel yes. like it's stripping out my ear. Like I can't – what's yes. going on? Because like, he was the most <laughs> slippery human being yeah. ever. And uh, I began to question, but you just said – and now you're saying this and what's going on? But It I don't, sounds like the same person. What if we dated the same guy? That would be I don't really yeah. creepy. But my slippery, toxic person, I don't – he didn't – I don't think he was trying to 
make me think I was crazy or trying to make me question reality. I think that he was just such a defensive person who was like afraid of ever doing anything wrong that he kept changing his story, even though I wasn't, I was not accusing him of anything. I was just trying to like follow a thread in a conversation and he kept changing. That's something so, yeah, it's so when people are like that, that at first you think it's you. Mm -hmm. um, And then you realize shortly after that it, that is coming from such a deep place of pain that that person needs to really do some work on themselves and hopefully yeah. not inflict that on the next girl because it's it's a lot to take on. How long did you go out with the toxic person? Um, it wasn't even a year, but it was, you know, that's too long to be in a toxic one. Yeah. And for me, that's the only one. Oh, that's and I wrote good. a song about it called Anyway. What are some of the lyrics? I'm bruised again. I wear it well. The Oh, it's weird saying it out loud and not saying it. It's it's funny out of context. I suddenly have forgotten. I I'm bruised again. I wear well the self-inflicted tale they tell. Um <laughs> This is so funny. I can't every now and then I forget my own lyrics. <laughs> I thrust it in until I bleed. I wiped my point for you to see. <laughs> now I need to go hear the song. But the chorus is about how, in any way, it's over now and nothing left to say. Um, and, and it just, once those are over, you can't believe you stayed in them so long. So that's what it's about, coming out the other side and recognizing that the version of you that would allow yourself to stay in a situation like that is not really you. Yeah. And you learn so much from those. Were your friends and family aware of what was going on um yes but i found out later how how much they could see what was going on for the most part they they knew that i wasn't myself and they knew that this wasn't a good situation Mm -hmm. did they try to talk to you about it at the time at all not for the most part it's a i'm sure you experienced this too but people don't really know what to do because they don't want to lose you as a friend obviously but you know, it's like when somebody you care about marries someone that you think is very wrong for them. You can't really say mm-hmm. to them, look, he or she is not right and you need to step back because then they're going to just cut you out of their life and they may really need you down the road. Right. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard, hard for for everyone because the person in the relationship, unless they're already on their way out, is like is never open to hearing what you have to say about it unless yeah. they on their own you know, bring up the topic. They probably are pretty def- defended against it and sort of need are just going to act out whatever's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Mark Budd says, to me, the directions for eye drops may as well read, rinse your entire face while awkwardly staring at the ceiling. <laughs> yes. I can never get them in my eyes. Uh, at the first attempt, oh, never goes right into my eyes. I, st- I have trouble. I actually really have to hold my eye and I'm like open and I'm not good at it. I've only had to use eye drops a couple of times. I find the saline solution like when you when you have dry eyes and you mm. use those, those are much harder to get in. But I think I had an eye infection once and I had to use the drops. Those are much more viscous. So yeah. it's easy to just get one in there. But yeah, the, the moisture drops, they go everywhere. 
Missy Kava says, I don't wash my feet in the shower. I figure all the soapy water runs down and takes care of it. Sometimes I do, and sometimes I just figure it gets, it just, yeah, mm-hmm. gets clean that way. Gary, Same. feet? Yeah, I, every time I remember it, I think I should be doing this every time, but most times I don't. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do it when I know they're super dirty. Like if, if I'm walking barefoot mm-hmm. everywhere outside and I know they're nasty, then I'll do that. But yeah, normally I don't. Um. A shower aside, so I keep reading that coconut oil is like this amazing thing. Do you use it? You're nodding in a way like you yeah, use coconut oil. Yeah, I love coconut oil. What do you do with it? Um, it's a great moisturizer for the outside of your body, but it's also really great to cook with because it's one of those oils that when you heat it up, it doesn't metabolize the fats mm-hmm. in a way that are bad for you. Like olive oil, you're actually not supposed to cook with that. It's good for you if you drizzle it over things. Or grapeseed oil is another oil, but um, coconut just has more health benefits for you. And I've started giving it to my dogs as well. Um, and they don't a, get diarrhea or anything? No, no, no. They don't. It's making their coats shinier. And it's just – it's got really good fat in it. And it's also anti, antiviral, antifungal. Um, it's a fantastic thing. I mean if you're cooking with it too, you can just – and there's a little extra on the spoon. You can just clean the spoon off with your fingers, rub it all over your cuticles. Well, it I've, smells good. I've started the, – the one I bought actually – because I, I was excited about the coconut smell. But the one I bought just has doesn't really smell. Mm-hmm. I need to buy a different one. Um, but anyway, so I've just been using it in the shower as a moisturizer and then rinsing it off because um, that's what I read you're supposed to do. Oh. But – but you, do you not rinse it off? I don't rinse it off. Oh, doesn't it um, leave make an oil slick all over the bottom yeah. of the shower? Yes, because <laughs> that's because oh. that's what I was going to say. Is that now I'm afraid that someone's going to kill themselves in the shower because they're going <laughs> to step in and be like, boom. <laughs> so I I've only done this once, but I just squirted shampoo on the bottom of the shower and then rubbed it around <laughs> with my foot to try to clean off the bottom of the shower to get rid of the oil. So. I thought of that though because I was my foot was getting quite a crazy amount of washing happening that day. But yeah, I don't I don't know how you don't get a slippery shower if you are using coconut oil and rinsing it off. Maybe you don't need to rinse it off. Yeah, I don't think you do. I've used those sugar scrubs before in the shower and they leave oil everywhere and and that kind of is too heavy for me anyway, but yeah, I think maybe if you just use less of the coconut oil because yeah. a little goes a long way. It's very rich. So um, you can just warm it up in your hands. It usually um, hardens a little bit if you keep it in the cupboard. I mean, I just use the same big vat of organic coconut oil for cooking as well as for moisturizing. So you just move it from shower to <laughs> cabinet and back? <laughs> well, I use – there's also a coconut lotion that I really like. There's two different ones. Um, one is by Fiji. I think it's Fiji. And um, – it's coconut based, but it's much more lotiony. Mm-hmm. And then there's one by the body shop that's just a spray, coconut oil Ooh. based. I like that. And that's really I like light. All sprays. Yeah. But then if I need extra moisture, like for hands, arms, you know, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. the heavy duty coconut oil is great for that because it really lasts. All right. John Heathcox. Or Hethcock says, when talking to someone who's congested, I feel relieved when they tell me they have allergies, i.e. I can't catch their cold. (laughs) Sometimes. That's me. (laughs) Anthony P. says, attempt the crossword puzzle. Give up and do Sudoku instead. 
No, I never do Sudoku. Maybe if I'm trapped on an airplane and there's the puzzle in the air, airplane magazine and someone hasn't already done it. But I try the crossword first. Yeah, I do too. I, I went through a brief Sudoku phase. But I think I like games that that educate me as well. So with crosswords, you learn new things and mm-hmm. new words and that's fun. Scott DeBerry says, I get weird anxiety like it's – I get weird anxiety like it's me every time I listen to a pod or a radio show and they go to a caller who has the same name as me. You're not the first person to say that. And yes, I know what you mean, even though it makes no sense that you could be listening to a radio show and, they, and they're like, and now, you know, all right, let's go to Allison. Because obviously you didn't ever call in, so how could it be you? But I know what you mean. Interesting. Do you don't have that? No, but my name is less common. I mean, I... I think I've had that experience not in terms of radio callers, but there have been moments when – I mean just – yeah, I don't hear my name as often, I it's suppose. It's strange. There aren't that many characters named Alicia on television. Right. There's the uh, the main character and the good wife. And yeah. I remember think at the time thinking, I think that's the first TV character named Alicia that I'm that I've – come across have can you think of others i can't it's weird that um, it's not a commonly used tv name no or it's movie really name. not and really i don't not. think of it as a super uncommon name though like i i went to school with leisha's yes um i would have to verify this with my mom but i'm pretty sure she said there was a character named alicia on little house on the prairie which is where she heard the name mm-hmm. i need to verify this because i've actually never seen that in print but Verified. Um, did you know that from memory or did no. you just look it up? Okay. I kind of want to think you did. It's real. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's how I got it. my name then from a TV character. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> Tracy Parati says, do something dumb while driving. Punish myself by making a crash noise. No, I don't. I don't do that. But I do. If I feel embarrassed <laughs> about something, I will. I will imagine like hitting myself in the head. I don't actually hit myself in the head, but I imagine doing it. Which is a weird, probably sort of OCD type of thought. I don't, I don't punish myself, but I, I do try to apologize to if it was a person, like you know, somebody. If I accidentally cut someone off or something, I try to apologize and, and word sorry, you know, mouth sorry to them, um, because I, I don't, I don't mean to drive like that. I usually am pretty good about that, but um, yeah, I don't do anything like bashing my head or anything <laughs> or making a crash noise <laughs> no. i want to hear what the crash noise is that this person makes i know <laughs> you know it, what i do sometimes though when i'm going around a corner if somebody is in the car with me or if i'm the passenger i'll go <laughs> <laughs> like that's you're around the corner noise. The <laughs> yeah do you do the thing where you throw your arm out to like like the mom arm so they don't you know, oh, it's funny. I saw forward. somebody do that just the other day. My dad used to do that. He still does do that. Um, I I don't know if I've ever done that. I feel like I did once, um, but I can't remember quite when. It's not something I normally do. But, of course, I usually don't have to slam on the brakes like right, that. Right, um, Yeah, my, I just had a memory. My dad used to do that too, but he would do it like too too forcefully. So I'm like, Dad. <laughs> that hurt more than <laughs> knocked the wind out of me almost. Um, I've actually never had the wind knocked out of me, thank God. Ooh. Have you had that experience? Um, 
I, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I think that I have, but when? Um, I used to have this thing where I would faint whenever somebody talked about blood. And I do believe I'm over it. Mm-hmm. We don't need to test it today. <laughs> um, but I guess that kind of qualifies as getting the wind knocked out of you because it felt like panic attacks. And it could be dinner. I mean, it's happened to me at dinner so many times. Mm-hmm. Or somebody will talk about an injury they had in college and they'll be describing the stitches and this and that. And then I feel it coming on and I try to be brave. I try to take deep breaths. Next thing I know, I'm lying on the ground in the restaurant. I I have that too. I've never actually fainted though, but I do begin to like get the tunnel vision and I feel all hot and cold and I have to sit down. Mm -hmm. Um, I get beyond that point too. I suppose I faint for a second or so, mm -hmm. but but you think you're beyond it. I do think I'm beyond it. I've been able to do some hospital volunteer work, you know, in the last few years and I was not able to do that before. Um, and it's not – hospitals are especially not a good place. If you're trying to make <laughs> sick people feel place. better, yeah. you don't want to be passing out in front of them. Right. Um, well, thank you so much for doing my show. This was delightful getting to know you more. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. And people – so Alicia Witt Music is where they go to find out all about you. And mm-hmm. on Twitter, you are at Alicia Witty. Yes. With two Ts. Um, anything else? we should know about um not really i mean you can always hit me up on those places and find out lots more (laughs) all right and um if you're gonna buy something on amazon perhaps coconut oil click through the banner on my website uh at allisonrosen.com it doesn't cost you anything extra but it does help out the show and thank you guys so much for all the amazon support it does make a difference also we have a ringtone available hey 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 go fuck yourself You can get that by searching Hey Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. It's been suggested that this is a matchmaking device as well for people who listen to the show who want to meet each other because if someone hears that on your phone, they'll be like, oh, hey, I listen to that show too. And then you'll live happily ever after. I'm told that's how it works. Um, And we have a special bonus episode available that we recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival with Doug Benson and musician Matt Costa. And that is $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. And I think that is it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? Yeah!
This is Corolla Digital. Thanks for listening to the show, everyone. Just as a reminder, this episode is brought to you by NoNo. To get your NoNo and take advantage of the exclusive offer for my listeners, go to nonobestfriend.com or call 800-508-4815. That's nonobestfriend.com or call 800-508-4815. Now that the show's over, remember to go to naturebox.com and order great-tasting, healthy snacks at 50% off. Forget the vending machine and get in shape for summer with healthy, delicious treats like barbecue kettle kernels. Support this podcast and get 50% off your first order. Go to naturebox.com slash Allison. That's naturebox.com slash Allison.